Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to It's a Religion. This is Ehud, son of Dennis, coming to you live from the Middle West of the divided states of America to the Republic for which it stands, two nations under God, quite divided with liberty and justice for some. And I uh, had the opportunity last night to take my better half, my other half, the uh, part of me that has become part of me uh, over the years as uh, we put Christ first and it seems to get better and better um, that uh, got to see a classical uh, music presentation holiday pops which was uh, just really nice you know it's that's something my wife and I would do on a regular basis and all the poor folks in the in the all the poor folks in the uh, thing were masked um, except for the people blowing horns of course because that would be rather difficult and pathetically stupid but I'm sorry I just I really struggle with that stuff when people can't see that for what it is and it's not really I don't know Maybe their attitude is if it prevents one person from getting sick, then I should do it. But I just don't see how that happens. I don't see how the way this virus works or COVID and most viruses, that kind of thing. Our medical community doesn't really, I don't think, know exactly how things get transmitted. Obviously, because the vaccine everybody told us was so fantastic does not work. Um, and it's pathetic they're still pushing that even but anyway that is the difference between faith and fear folks fear drives decisions so does faith uh, I've heard it said that the that fear is the devil's faith and that I believe is a good way to summarize it because fear can make you do things out of fear that you normally would not do and faith also gives you the strength to do things that you might not do. And typically, though, faith is pointed toward God and his purposes, where fear is pointed toward personal safety or it's more internally focused. It's more focused on your own needs instead of the needs of others, as a, for instance. Um, so, you know, some people would say, well, you know, people that are doing that are being faithful to um, others by trying to prevent them from becoming ill with some sickness. And while that's uh, amicable or amiable, maybe amiable of them, or, you know, it's, it's hard to complain about something like that when somebody's trying to say, hey, I'm just trying to take care of people. But in the same sense, if, if what you're doing really doesn't do what you're trying to accomplish by doing that, then it's kind of silly to keep doing it. It's like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Uh, I've heard somebody say that's a definition of insanity, and it seems to me there's a lot of insanity going on nowadays in this country. Even in the church, some of those who claim to be faithful toward God and 
we as believers, we as the chosen, you know, God has chosen us through the mechanisms that he's given us to trust in him. I just read that this morning. I mean, the process of being chosen is God gave us a way to trust in him from the beginning. And simply to believe in what his son, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, has done for us. And put our faith and trust in that and not anything we can do. Paul's pretty clear about that in a lot of his letters to the Gentiles. You know, being a Jewish Christian might be a little bit different than uh, being a Gentile Christian because they came out of it from two different directions. You know, the Jewish nation was part of the Messiah's uh, situation, right? That people group, not that race, that people group. Again, just to clarify, we hear it's a religion. Believe there's one race. It's called being human, a human being. And it does not matter what color your skin is or where you're from. You're still a human. It's the only race there is. Might be different people groups. Might be different lineages. Uh, people come from different places in the planet. Have different cultures. But in the end, we're all humans. And we should be encouraged by that. We should be encouraged by the fact that Jesus is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, ruling over everything. And he can change things in a heartbeat. And I'm sure he does at times. Do things that we don't see, that we don't know. There's a spiritual realm, folks, that even last night at a liberal holiday concert, um, the guy was talking about how things that we can't see might be bigger than even the ones that we can. And that's biblical. There's a whole world going on around us that, that we can't see and experience that we're going to be part of someday. But that day is is a ways away. Or, well, hopefully. Could be tomorrow. Could be today. But for most of us, most folks living, unless you've had the shot, then you're, I don't know. I don't know what your chances are. But if you haven't, I think you got a good chance to, to live a long, happy life, hopefully. So... With that, we have been going through the book of Genesis, and we just got through that the other day, and we started the book of Exodus in the Bible. We're reading through the Bible. Um, I will probably, due to the actual length of the overall Bible, I will probably begin to skip some things once we get past, you know, the... Exodus, we'll see. I gotta look ahead a little bit and decide how I want to handle that. Um, I think it's very amicable to read the entire Bible, but you're talking about a thousand chapters. If I do one chapter a day, it's going to take us three years, and I don't don't necessarily want it to take that long. And um, I could start reading more than that, but um, I just I like the pace we're doing this at, and so. I, I want to stay focused on the overall purpose of, of Jesus and what God did through him. And, you know, most of that is, is handled in the New Testament. But I want to point to him in the Old Testament and what uh, has occurred throughout history to point in that direction. 
And we saw God creating everything in Genesis 1.1. And we saw him um, start this people group through uh, Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob who became Israel. The people group Israel. And their descendants are now living in Egypt. And the Egyptians somehow have subverted them into slavery. Because they were getting too strong. And for some reason the Egyptians were worried they were going to take them out. Which, if they were that strong, I still don't understand how they put them into bondage. The way that they did. But somehow it must have, must have been able to do that and it, it almost makes me think of our COVID situation the last couple of years that you have billions of people who listen to just a few and through fear right through putting fear on people they got people to do a lot of stuff like put masks on and, and stay at home all this stuff and it just there was no reason for it whatsoever. You give folks some ivermectin, and and if somebody gets COVID, give them oxygen. Don't put them on a, on a ventilator, whatever that thing is. Just give them some oxygen. Let their body heal. Anyway, I'm not a doctor. I shouldn't be saying that. Exodus chapter 2. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden from, for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds among the bank of the Nile. And the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching and see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to, the, to bathe in the, in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank when the princess saw the basket among the reeds. She sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it and saw the baby, the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him later when the boy was older his mother brought him back to pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son the princess named him moses for she explained i lifted him out of the water many years later when moses had grown up he went out to visit his own people the hebrews and he saw how hard they were forced to work during his visit he saw an egyptian beating one of his fellow hebrews after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching moses killed the egyptian and hid the body in the sand Next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, Everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened. He had tried to, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs of their father's flocks. But after some shepherds came and chased them away, so Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from 
the shepherds, and he drew water for the flocks. When the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked, Why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and when he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? their father asked. Why did you leave him here? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation. He settled there with him. In time, Reuel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Later she gave birth to his son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery, and they cried out to help for help, and their cry rose up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant, promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Interesting. So, I believe God probably knew it was time to act before it was time to act. <clears throat> but Sometimes I wonder if he doesn't write some things in a way which it's just easier for us to understand. It's, it's hard to understand omniscience. Because we don't have it. We don't have it in time. So, anyway. Lord God, thank you for such a beautiful day outside. The sun shining and snow on the ground. And for what looks to be uh, a white Christmas coming. We thank you for um, the beauty of the world. And that which you have created. The beauty of marriage and um, the fact that you are bride the church is being prepared as we speak. We thank you for Christmas time and the celebration of our Lord Jesus coming to this earth to do what was necessary to save us. And I personally thank you for my wife and family and a new day to worship you and rejoice in what you've done. Let us be faithful today, Lord, in every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for stopping, folks. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>